Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, man, for the sun shining. Uh, I am just very, very thankful for beautiful weather. Lord, thank you for uh, just being able to worship and spend time with your people. Father, uh, I, I don't take that for granted that I get this opportunity, so I thank you humbly. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that um, you would help me to preach your word well and I wouldn't get in the way. Um, Father, I am, I am so flawed, and man, it's so easy for my flaws to show themselves. So I just pray that your truth um, would be so bright and so loud that uh, my, my junk wouldn't get in the way. Man, I pray for those in this room that are hurting. Uh, maybe they're dealing with shame or brokenness or fear, uh, worry, all those things that just threaten to drown us. I pray right now today, um, Father, that, that they would trust you as their lifeline and um, that this can be the beginning of, of something new. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Ugh, gum in my mouth. How are you guys doing today? Woo! Woo. <laughs> hey, man, I'm excited too. So <clears throat> if it is your first time at The Remnant, Welcome. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. I think I'm only going to say it once this time. I get made fun of because I say that a lot. Uh, it's also kind of a cool time to come because we are starting a new series uh, called dun, 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 Living with Purpose. <clears throat> and what is the point of that? Well, you know, I tried to come up with some really cool play on words here. Like I was going to use, you'll like this, Kaylee, Thrive. But then I realized live, live is not in thrive, so I couldn't, I couldn't use that. So I had to just go with the, the phrase, so living with purpose. And I think a lot of us, I know you're zoned out. I know you are. Wake up. I know the rock show's over. I need you. Stay with me. Because here's the thing. Life can be one of two things. It can be eating, breathing, and existing, or it can be living. That's it. I don't know about you, but there are times that life can seem pretty, I don't want to say meaningless, right? Because I don't necessarily feel that way, but it can feel gray. It can feel, I don't even know how to describe it. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. It's sort of like a cubicle. Like I'm living in a cubicle every day. You get that? You know on TV, when it shows the office buildings and stuff, it's just this whitewashed, yellow... you know, with those flickering lights and you just show up in front of your computer screen and that's life every day. The same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And here's the problem. Sometimes you're even content and comfortable with that because it's safe. Your cubicle's safe. You even got some walls around you. But inevitably, no matter how long you go, right, the coffee wears off, the medication wears off, the alcohol wears off, the distractions fade, and then you're left with the idea of like, is this really it? And for me, you know, you hear things like, hey, put your faith in Christ. Christ is life, all that kind of stuff. And that's all true. But again, this year for me has been this, this kind of journey of I say things and hear things, and we say things to each other within the church, and what does it mean? It just becomes, right, hey, Christ is life, and you're going to say, amen, and then we walk away, <clears throat> and then I realized that didn't really do any, I don't know what that means, like really, right? Todd, don't you theologically know? Yeah, of course, but then, that, that's, it's not the same thing. So I want to read to you <clears throat> Psalm 1611. This psalm's kind of depressing at the beginning, but this section is pretty interesting. Do we have it? We got it? Okay, go ahead. Nice. 
this is God, right? Through the psalmist, he says, you, the psalmist says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, when you read that, <clears throat> I'm going to call you out. First time today. You're going to read that, and it's all good, and we're going to go, that's nice. But it's really like reading Edgar Allan Poe, just like the happy version. It's just a poem that doesn't really mean anything to you. I guarantee it. That's nice. God is trying to just say, life's not too bad. But when I read this, I'm obsessed lately, too, with this concept of God made me promises. He said things to me, right? If, if, the, if this is the word of God, then he said it. We assume if you're a Christian in the room, God's not a liar. So I don't believe he just picked things that for, eh, whatever. It just sounds pretty. This means something. But here's the question. Do you feel a fullness of joy? Be real. Do you? Some of you praise God, man. That's awesome. Do you feel like you're in pleasures forevermore? Now, of course, we know we're looking. Some of this is looking ahead, right? This life is this much of eternity. And it's having an eternal mindset. We'll talk about that later. But in your presence, there's fullness of joy. The Bible says what? God's prayer, where two or three are gathered, I am there. Christ said that. So is his presence here? I'm looking at you all. You ain't got no fullness of joy, right? <clears throat> Some of you don't have any fullness of joy. By the way, before you get upset, I'm Eeyore, okay? So I'm a guy that doesn't have that fullness of joy either a lot of times. <clears throat> and I always justify it. I don't know if you're like me. I justify it by like, I'm a realist. Right? I'm just, come on now. I mean, joy is nice, but bills got to be paid, right? That kind of thing. That's where I can land. Does this psalm, if you believed it's God's words written to you, does it feel true? Now, you're going to say, some of you, right? And I'm going to have to peel back your layers of church because it's scary. You can't admit that to the pastor. You don't want to shake your head no because then I'm going to come up to you and go, Larry, I can say that because that's my name, my first name. Larry, is your faith weak? I'm not trying to track, you know, trick you right now. Does it, do you feel a fullness of joy? And it's cool because some of you do, and it's amazing, and I love being around you because I need to catch a little bit of it, right? But a lot of people don't. A lot of people have little, some joy. Don't confuse some joy with a fullness of joy because I take that word to mean something. He could have just said, in your presence, there is sometimes joy. In your presence is, inner, is, is you know, I don't know the word, man. I'm, I'm losing my mind. I used to be smart. But he says fullness of joy fullness does that feel true i'm not saying that you're miserable sometimes miserable sometimes the gray the cubicle in the moments when you recognize you're in it can feel worse than misery because the cubicle doesn't have an end Moments of misery can be like, well, maybe it'll get better. You know, it's going to get better. But the grayness, that's like life, right? So you have misery, and then you have grayness. A little bit of joy, but there's certainly no fullness of it. Does that feel true? That the path of life in your presence, there's fullness of joy? We just said that God's presence is here. I'm looking at y'all. You ain't got a lot of fullness of joy. Some of you, some of you do. Praise God. But some, a lot of you don't. I don't. Now, you can't be mad at me because I said me. Right? What does life feel like for you? If you can't say that your life is characterized by a fullness of joy, we've got to figure something out. Because God's not lying, right? Todd, this is symbolism. The psalmist is painting a picture. Come on. 
That's your church talk. That's because you're afraid that he might be telling the truth. And if he's telling the truth, then that means there's something with us. Because he's not lying. And that's hard to believe. Well, how am I withholding fullness of joy from myself? I go to work every day. I go to church. You know, I'm, I'm with my spouse. Or I'm, you know, I read my Bible, et cetera, et cetera. And those are all beautiful things. And they are part of getting to that joy. But something's holding us back. Life, to me, I, I sit around a lot and I think about life. And, and I was actually, I can say, Jacob, I just said your name for the first time. You got your first one, man. Sorry. When I was at his graduation... Uh, party we talked briefly yesterday and I was telling him and I'm sure he got told this 50 times by all of us old people but it's like life goes so fast right I remember my graduation party it seemed like yesterday now that's terrifying that's terrifying in some ways because I'm like where'd all that time go and then I start thinking man how much time have I wasted I've wasted a lot of time and I'm not talking about playing video games and stuff that in church they tell you don't play, waste time playing all that, you know, don't have, don't have fun. That's a waste of time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about wasting time, what, in misery, in sin, in brokenness, in worry, all those things that we can sit in. Life is not the same as existing to me. And I want to live, right? I want to live. I mean that. I want to actually live. And everybody in the room, I'm going to tell you whether you're ready to hear this yet or you're too stuck in the cubicle. You're already zoned out. If you're already zoned out, you're so used to the cubicle, you, you, don't even, you can't even hear about life. That's why a lot of you like worship more than, than the sermon part, right? Well, I mean, beyond the fact they're incredibly talented, right? More so than me. Because that distracts you from your, it's not really about God. It's just distracting you from the cubicle. So you can worship and sing. And not be praising him. Purpose. In my opinion, living a life with purpose, meaning it's not just some random game that every day, you know, God's flipping a coin and if it lands on heads, it's a good day. And if it's tails, it's bad. That, that's, that's, not, that's not reality. At least not in the Bible, which is truth. So for me, I, I don't want to live in the cubicle, but I do a lot. Do you? Do you, do you ever find yourself living in the cubicle? Like, for real? Do you, do, you, do you catch yourself those moments when you're like, ah, is it possible to live every day with purpose, to live an adventure? Is it possible that even in, you know, if your job every day is making widgets, P.S., your job isn't your life. And if it is, something's wrong. I'm serious. If even if your job's making widgets and you make good money, there's nothing wrong with being a widget maker, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You can live a life of adventure while making widgets, but you can also be a CEO, an entrepreneur, and live in a cubicle, existing. It's safe in there, though, right? It's safe in that cubicle. So we trade. By the way, it's really not. It's all an illusion. You're not any more safe in the cubicle than you are outside. But it gives you a sense of control. There's three walls around me. I'm safe. Do you want a cubicle or an adventure? I want an adventure. And some of you all, you, you, you've fallen into the trap of like, you've given up on the cubicle. You're just essentially kind of sitting in the grave waiting to stop breathing. But I bet you if you were to die tomorrow and you knew it, you might approach today differently. And some of you are so down in the depths that you're like, no, I wouldn't. I would celebrate. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You're not tired of life. You're tired of the cubicle. 
You're tired of the gray. You're tired of lifelessness. And so when I read God's word, you know, when you read the book of Acts, if you don't know what that is in here, cool, me either when I went to church the first time. It's just where it talks about the beginning of the church. And I see these people doing some crazy things, and their situation was not safe. It was not fun. It was dangerous. It was miserable. And yet, they praise God while they're in jail. They celebrated when they're getting hit. They preached while they were being murdered, stoned. Think about that. How does that happen? Is that just a story, or do you believe that actually happened? If it actually happened, then we're left with this. Those were a bunch of lunatics that just happened to gather together. Probably not true. Or they knew or believed something. I think we know the same thing, but they believed something that maybe we don't. That there's more than the cubicle. That you can find life in situations that don't seem very life-filled. I want to give you something. So, so Todd, that's that's a big thing, right? That's fair. When we're talking about living with purpose, I started thinking about well, what, what hinders me from that, first of all? I don't know about you. I mean, that's my feeling. Like, why am I not? Because there are moments when I probably have a full cup of joy. <laughs> Sounds like a coffee commercial, right? Nice. That's a good name for coffee. Joy. Write that down for business later. Anyway, <clears throat> have a cup of joy. Um, <clears throat> I got distracted with my entrepreneurial spirit. But when I start thinking about what... It hinders me. I start thinking about the fact that the truth is, and I'll confess it, and maybe you'll feel safe to do so. I don't really believe God. I don't. I don't. I don't always believe him. Because I'm going to give you right now, I'm going to hammer you with like four verses, okay? They're not in the same section, and that's intentional because throughout the Bible, God has really given one huge promise, all right, one huge promise. But before I tell you what those promises are, let's talk a moment about the, the characteristics of a God. God, there's only one, but let's talk about it. God has to be what? He has to have some traits to make him God. Otherwise, I mean, he's not Ted, right? He's not the paper salesman next door. What makes him God? What makes him different? He has to be what? All-powerful, yes. What? Holy. What else someone say? Eternal, yeah. Right? All-knowing. He had all-knowing, eternal. Those are, like, we, we, we know what they mean. I mean, we know what to say, but do you really know what they mean? Eternal means there's no beginning, there's no end. That'll blow your mind for a second. There is no beginning, there's no end. There's no beginning. <clears throat> I could go on a rant about the Big Bang. All they've done is name creation Big Bang. Where did it all start? There was a bang. <laughs> kind of like when God said, let there be light. I don't just a thought. <clears throat> but... I'm, I'm a squirrel. I distract myself. So, <clears throat> yeah, he's eternal, okay? All-powerful. Listen, you know what it means. It's just a phrase. But what does that actually mean? That means God can do anything and everything he wants to. Nobody can stop him, hinder him, slow him down, scare him, concern him. P.S., if you're in the room and you're like, God's not real, cool. We're just talking about the concept of a God. Stay with me, right? If God exists, he'd have to be that, right? All-powerful. All-knowing. That means he knows everything. Time doesn't exist for God. There is no past, present, or future. There's just eternity. He sees it all. That'll blow your mind, right? 
Especially for me. When I think about the fact that God has, for instance, given me the opportunity to preach his word, which is incredible, to you amazing people who are way better people than me, and I'm being serious, I think to myself, he did that knowing that I'm a knucklehead. Right? Knowing, and, and I trick myself going, well, I, I, as long as I don't do anything bad, maybe that'll make, and, and every time I screw up, right, I'm going, I even said that to him like a couple months ago. I was like, you knew this. You know? You knew how I am. <clears throat> he has to be all-knowing. All-knowing, all-powerful, eternal. I'm going to throw one in here. A God wouldn't have to be, but the God of the Bible says he is. He is good. He is loving. Right? He is patient. Deuteronomy 31.6. This is Moses. He's 120 years old. He's about to tell Joshua. He's like, hey, I'm getting old. Joshua's going to be your leader. And this is what he says to him. Deuteronomy 31.6. He says, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. These are these big scary enemies that are chewing steel on the other side here. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. Listen. He will not leave you or forsake you. Leave and forsake are different. We kind of put them together. Leave you means he's just not going to leave you. Forsake you means in a time of trouble, he's not going to go, that's too much, I'm leaving. He won't leave when it gets hot. He won't leave when it gets scary. He won't leave when the waves are too high because guess what? They're never too high for him. They can't. We just talked about it, right? Two verses down, 31.8, Moses says this again. Listen, he says, the Lord is the one who will go before you. Who's the Lord? He is what? All-powerful, eternal, all-knowing. Right, All of those things. The Lord is the one who will go before you. That means in front of. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. There it is again. Anytime God repeats himself, it's important. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I'm already losing you because you've heard this. I, I, this is the thing about Christians. <clears throat> you've heard every sermon in the world. P.S. There, no, there are no new sermons. You know, all right, there's just different ways to tell the, the truth, right? The truth's been around. I'm not going to recreate the wheel here. It's, I didn't make this up. But the problem is you get numb to it. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Well, why? we can't imagine this. I want you to picture right now. Let's pretend that this wall's not here, but the stage is. On the other side of the stage, okay, are a bunch of terrorists and murderers and serial killers and rapists, whatever scares you. I'm serious. Giant feral bears, okay, monkeys. Monkeys are scary. I'm serious. A monkey is a terrifying creature. Orcas, killer whales, the worst animal ever known to live. Okay, if you haven't been here long, you'll know my hatred of orca whales. All right, I lost some of you. Killer whales, they call them, don't, don't let them trick you. They're called killer whales. The psychos of the sea. Anyway, they're on the other side. All of this is on the other side. I'm serious. And guess what? I, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not going to be able to go with you, but God has told us that we got to cross the stage and go over there. And they're going, ah, 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 right, <laughs> whatever. And the monkeys are throwing poop and all that. It's just a scary time. And now I tell you, you've got to lead us over there. But don't be scared and don't be discouraged. Now, you're all like, that's cool. I promise you, if I locked the doors and threw a bunch of just monkeys in here, y'all make fun. If I just threw a bunch of monkeys, everybody's screaming, okay? <clears throat> and I tell you, you've got to go deal with them. Nice. James got one person here who understands monkeys. Yeah, he's like, yep, I would. Thank you. You're the only one. They're terrified. You'd be terrified. Now, you, you at least get the mindset here. He's telling them, you're going to have to go over there. I, in this case, Moses, who's done the miracles, part the Red Sea, empowered by God. I'm not going with you. This guy is. But don't be afraid or discouraged. You think that their Christianese, for lack of a better word, is going to make them feel good? 
Is that going to make them take the step? Is that going to make you take the step across there? Some platitude, some saying about, hey, God's good, huh? Amen. Enjoy that monkey, right? No. <clears throat> there has to be a deep-seated belief that God is everything we said he was and that what? He will not leave you or forsake you, and he's going to go in front of you. Now, if you, in this scenario, you knew for a fact, you could just see him because we just cannot get over that. If we can't see it, we struggle to believe it, right? And you could see God, and he is going in front of you, the all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal being. Would you be afraid? The answer is no. You're like, I don't know, maybe. And that's great. That proves you wouldn't be if you knew he was for you, all-powerful, all-knowing, and going in front of you. You wouldn't be like, yeah, right? Well, Todd, that's, you know, long, long ago. That's Old Testament. That was a specific situation. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, that's called the New Testament. You'll like that. That means you can, it's, it's, it's new. Your life should be free from the love of money. Hmm, we're going to talk about that. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, and love this. Here it is, reminding you the same God that was there with them is with the New Testament, and now you're hearing it, he's with you, he's the same God. I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Why? What can man do to me? If God goes before you, truly, and you believe it, you already say you do, what would you be afraid of? What would man do to you? And one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and some of you probably skipped over it next, so stick with me. Gospel of John, chapter 10, 28 through 30. This is Jesus himself talking to the Father, and he says, I give them eternal life. Who do you think them are? You. If you're a believer, that's you. I give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Here it comes. The Father and I are one. That's so good. The build up there. <clears throat> I won't let go of them. No one can take them out of the Father's hand. Why? He's all powerful, all knowing. And then he drops that bombshell. By the way, I'm him. Right? I love this. You know why I love this? It's not even because I think you'll grab me from his hands. Sometimes I'm afraid I'll grab me from his hands. That I'll sin my way out of his hands or I'll fail or I'll falter or my faith. And he said, I will never let go of you. Even if I'm squirming and biting and everything else, he's not going to let go of me. He promised that. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Well, Todd, that's nice, but what happens when I lose my job? That's, that's, let's be real. You might get to the point, strangely enough, where you can believe in eternity, but you think that God's not really involved now. Well, he's not, I'm not going to snatch him out of his hand, but he will put me on the street. He will let my marriage fail, right? All those things. He isn't in this situation. <clears throat> but if you believe those... We just talked about all-powerful, all-knowing. God was with you always, just you, not all of you in the room, you alone, when you're in your car, or in, when you're in the cubicle, all of those things. If you can just play pretend for a minute, I'm going to give you like five seconds of silence. I'm serious, and I want you to imagine that God himself's riding shotgun with you, going ahead of you, dealing with the monkeys first, right? Whatever else, what would life feel like? Just picture it for a second. Make-believe, right? Just make-believe. When I put myself there, and I can do it for five, ten seconds, I will literally go, 
my tension just goes whoosh. Well, the thing is, is that that's true, and I say that I believe that, and you say that you believe that. And yet, do you live like this? <sighs> do you live an adventure? Do you live a life with purpose? Or is your life characterized by what? The cubicle. The gray. Sometimes we sabotage our lives. We start fires in the cubicle. We do bad things because we just want to feel. We want to see something other than the cubicle. It's unhealthy because you think that's all there is. There's just misery in the cubicle. There's more than that. There has to be. I think of Jesus when he comes on Peter and he says, you know, that, that, that powerful statement. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm fishing. Hey, leave that behind. Come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. That's just a guy to him. And he got up and left him. And he left his cubicle to follow him. Did he see amazing things? Yeah. Did he experience miracles? I don't know, Todd. I've never heard of Peter. That's okay. Yeah, he did. He did. So what hinders us from living a life of purpose? You know, what, what's, what's the thing that stops us from this, from living in that confidence? Something that, that characterizes our culture, that characterizes um, even more so in the church because we, we believe we have this standard to uphold, right? which we do, but not on our own effort. I've got I've to keep the rules, but also do everything the world says, which is get a good job, but I also got to be moral, and I can't mess up, and I can't show blah, 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 and it's this pressure. So what is it called? Well, what hinders us from living in the confidence of these problems? Jesus tells us. You ready? Call it many things. Worry. Anxiety, fear. Now, a lot of the dudes in here, hey, I ain't anxious. And then I go to your house, and there's holes all throughout the, on the walls. What do you think you're doing that out of? Joy? You think you're punching holes in the wall out of joy? No. That's not a fullness of joy characterization, right? I'm so happy. No. Why are you really mad? talking to the men for a second because ladies a lot of times you you're more in touch with the idea of anxiety for some reason guys are like hey anxiety you know why you don't want to admit it because you know it's fear-based and men aren't scared i'm a dude i'm not scared right why are you laughing so hard anyway fear anxiety worry and jesus tells us and i'm gonna ask you i haven't said this in a long time i guess i got away from it emma you ready i'm gonna tell you take your christian earmuffs off what is that? That's the thing where your mind goes, I've heard all of this. He's going to talk about the birds and the lilies of the field. I know. It doesn't help me. Right? The arrogance of that, because we all might, we, we would have stopped listening to sermons 2,000 years ago. Right? After Paul died, after John, actually, since the last one, we'd have been like, well, that's it. We have very short attention spans. Hence why God has to constantly repeat himself. I won't leave you or forsake you. Two minutes later, hey, don't forget, not going to leave you or forsake you. Right? And then we walk out, literally, we go, okay, dad, walk out the door and go, well, he's left me. He's forsaking me. Right? We do that. So I want you to listen to this section. Pretend for a minute, you Christians that have been there a long time. Praise God for you. But I'm going to ask you a favor today. I want you to read this like Jesus Christ is in the room saying it to you for the first time. Okay? Can you do that? No? 
Yeah? Okay. Thank you. I want to do it with you. Gospel of John. I did a long time memo with no John. Chapter 10, right? And it's verses 25 through 34. Right? Go ahead, fellas. This is Jesus. <clears throat> Weirdly, again, I'm just foreshadowing. Right before this, he talks about the love of money. <laughs> but here we go. This is why I tell you. Who do you think he's talking to? He's definitely talking to the people following him. You think that's, now remember, he's eternal. You're, gonna believe, you're not going to believe this, Jack. He's actually talking to you. You specifically. Do you know that? No, it's not, right? You think like you're just kind of watching the TV and he's talking. No, no, no. He's talking to you today. Taylor, he's talking to you right now. Ready? I can say their names and won't be mad. Probably. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. Well, he's already lost me because I worry about my life all the time. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Hmm. Can I paraphrase? Isn't life more than the cubicle? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow, that means work, sow or reap. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit, little measuring, right? Let's just say inch for your purposes. An inch to his height by worrying. And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even King Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. See, a lot of times we read that like God's mad at you already. You have little faith. No, I don't think so. That's not the feel of this section, is it? You have little faith. My son, my daughter, my child. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters, that means unbelievers. So for our purposes, the non-Christians, people that don't believe. Eagerly seek all these things. What do they seek? What do I eat? What do I drink? What do I wear? And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God's way. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Were you able to keep your earmuffs off? Could you envision that God's saying that to you? If God is saying that to you, What's your worry today? What are your things? See, I, <clears throat> a lot of times in America, if you're in this room, you're in, I don't remember the percentage, but you're probably in like the top 3% of the world, okay? I can't remember as far as like wealth. I don't, I don't, don't quote me on that. Somebody can look it up, but, but you're wealthy by the world standards. You didn't wake up. Most of you probably aren't starving. You got clothes. It doesn't matter if it's that same pair of jeans. You got some, right? We get to sit in air conditioning, even though it's not cool enough for me, right? You got a car, you've got these things. So so when you hear this, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't need to worry about what I eat. I get it, I get it. That's because you've never had to worry about it. When he's talking to these people, he's talking to people who literally had to worry about, am I going to have anything to eat? Am I going to have any place to sleep? Am I going to have clothes on my back? In fact, he still says that today to believers in parts of the world where this takes on a whole new meaning. But it can still have meaning for us because those are the real things of life. 
If you didn't have your TikTok and you didn't have your phone and you didn't have your video games or your nice clothes or your car and all that stuff, you'd be sad. But if I took away for a month all your food, all your clothes, right, and made you live that way, all of a sudden those things fade away because you just want to what? You want to live. I, I, I have to eat, right? So if God is saying these things that are the very things that keep us alive, we need shelter. We need clothes when it gets cold, right? That's why we bundle up in the wintertime. If I throw you out and say you can't have any clothes during the winter, that becomes the most important thing to you. He's saying this because human nature, and you guys, we have to think this way, even in America, and I, I've said this many times, man, I feel so called to this country and praise God for missionaries because in a weird way, we are so dangerously lost because we don't know what this is, and so we become arrogant, but that doesn't mean God doesn't care about the other things. But if he's saying, don't worry about these things that are literally life, should you be worrying about whether you know, you're going to have enough money to pay the, the boat loan this, this month? Marriage, relationship, your cold, your kid, your social status, your reputation. Your reputation won't matter to you if you're starving. Did you know that? Every single one of you, I'm going to say this, live your life racked with anxiety and worry. Now some, you might be like, yeah, I'm only 30% worried. That's still pretty high. And this isn't to shame you, it's to free us. Because we have to look at this as Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, I'm not going to raise your hand, but you're, here, you're either a seeker, a Christian, or you're here for a cute boy or girl. That's typically what happens, right? But... The first two people, well, you're all here. You know, God called you here either way. But if you're the first two, especially the first one, you already say you believe a man was raised from the dead. That means you believe this. So now we've got to start, we got to start unpacking this a little bit. This is reality. This is what he said. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Some of you all woke up this morning, and the first thing you did was worry about tomorrow. I know some of you very, very well, and that is what you do. I'll give you an example. When I hated my job, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about now, but I don't. When I, when, I, when I worked in finance, and I did not like it, right? I was in the cubicle. I didn't even know I hated it. But I would literally, it'd be Sunday morning on the way to church, and I'm already thinking about Monday, right? And then you can't sleep because you're thinking about how miserable Monday's going to be. You ever been there? Am I the only one? Raise your hand if you've been there so I don't feel alone. That makes me feel, oh, yeah, right. I thought I was the only weirdo. Okay, good. We're all that way. You're not weirdos, just me. <clears throat> Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's true, isn't it? So some of you are like, I don't have anxiety. Because you don't, this is hard to confess, that's me. I'm not trying to be tough when I say this, okay? I, my mind, I don't, I don't think I live like in, like, 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 I don't live in this place where I'm knowing I'm stressed or anxious, right? Now, I'll have moments where I'm like, I'm worried, I'll be thinking about tomorrow, and that's easy. But, I mean, stuff stacks, and I'll kind of be like, I got this. I got this. Well, then what typically happens is my body, and this is true, because did you know stress and worry and anxiety can have physical symptoms? Eventually, my body's like, nah, man, we ain't good, and we're going to shut stuff down. My stomach, my back. Some of you get headaches, migraines, all those things, right? And you may not feel it. It's like three weeks, you're good, and all of a sudden it's like, 
right? You're twitching, you're falling apart because you do feel anxiety. Now, here's the thing. You're going to tell yourself right now, well, Todd, that's great, but there are some things that I have to worry about. You've already told yourself that because it's not changing, it's not going to get better, and I have to deal with it. That's part of life. It's true or it's not. You obey him. Did he, I'm sorry, put, that, put 34 up for me real quick. I want you guys to catch something. Is there, a, is, is there a question mark at the end of that sentence? So if he's not asking, what's he doing? He's telling you to not worry. Some of y'all think you're big stuff. I'll worry if I want to worry. I can handle it. Okay, cool. He just told you not to. You are, we are, and, and we'll get to this because some of you need to, you, you won't hear it any other way. You're disobedient. Did you know that? When we choose to live in worry, it's sinful. And I'm going to give you a clue for later. Why is that? Because worry replaces God on the throne with you. I'm serious. Because you believe you, you have to worry because you are the, you're the creator. And you've got to keep this, this earth spinning, right? Because if you take your eyes off the ball here, everybody's going to die. Who's God? So I'm going to show you. It's been a while since I've done this. You're going to love this, Trent. Maybe not by the facial expression. You might hate it. But <clears throat> there we go. Big smile. Got it. So <clears throat> what um, <clears throat> new people, I promise I won't call your names out. And it's only after two years. Then I will say your name. Um, <clears throat> and it's typically because those are people that are friendly to me and I just need a friend. Anyway, I'm going to give you an analogy. I haven't done this in a while. I'm going to give you. You're going to love this. It's an illustration. I don't have a squirt gun, right? I really want to because that's popular, man. If pastors bring out squirt guns, you guys are clapping and having a great time. Some of you are like, what? Look it up. Popular sermon. Bring out a squirt gun and start squirting people. People are happy. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't have a squirt gun, but I want to talk about, let me tell you what life is. Life, for most of you in this room, every day you're going backpacking. You're going hiking. All right? I need a, I need a volunteer. Raise your hand if you're interested. Now, i got to pick somebody that isn't going to be, Sydney would be perfect for this. Come on up, Sydney. Give her a hand so she doesn't. All right, Sydney, we're going to get you ready. I know you're not an anxious person. <laughs> All right, so say hi, Sydney, hi. Hey, oh, you're already used to being on here. This is fine. So I'm going to get you ready for life. All right, I'm going to, we're going to pretty much put into words so you're prepared. We're going to show everyone how to get ready for a day, okay? The first thing we're going to do here, you just stay there, Sydney. All right, we're going to get your backpack on. We're going backpacking. I've already preloaded for you some things you might need. How's that feel? Yeah, is it heavy? Yeah. I got some books in here in case you need to read. You don't want to get bored, right? In case you need to teach some people, in case people forget things, because they might forget the Bible, and you need to have it on hand all the time ready to Make sure they're following God. Okay, so I loaded some of that up for you here. What else do we do here? Well, I have some paper here, okay, because you never know when you need to communicate better because if you don't figure out how to communicate with your spouse, if you get married, boyfriend, whatever else, you're never going to be happy, Sydney. You've got to learn how to talk or you're never going to have a relationship. All right, we'll put that in here. <clears throat> All right. Well, then you've got to make sure, Sydney, that your, that your money's taken care of. So, I got these 
antique piggy banks I bought at a thing a few. <laughs> you guys remember this? I still haven't sold them yet because that's my whole thing is to flip them. Anyway, these are here so that you can save money because listen, what if you're out and your tire goes out? If your tire goes out, you got to have quarters. You got to be ready. This could be terrible. Don't worry. This isn't going to be too bad. Oh boy. All right. Oh boy, this is going to be a problem for like, for real. All right. How's that feel? This. Okay, you can you can readjust if you want. Go ahead. All right. <clears throat> then there's always the possibility that you get thirsty. Okay. And you need, you, you, you don't want to die. What if you get dehydrated? Dr. Oz says that you've got to have some sugars, right? And you've got to have some sodium, right? Because if you don't have your sodium, you might cramp. So let's make sure that's in here. This is concerning. I didn't, ex- I didn't think about volume, right? All right, then we're not done yet, Sydney, because are you just going to stand there? Are you going to come? All right. And then we got to make sure you have this football. Why? Well, I don't know. Maybe you'll meet a cute guy and want to throw the ball around, so you got to know how to throw, right? <laughs> okay, so we'll put that up here. Now, here's the thing, Sydney, too. Even though this is jam-packed, turn around so they can see real quick, okay? You're going to have to make sure that none of this falls out because if something falls out, well, then you got to stop. you got to put it back in. It's gonna, you don't have time for that, right? you gotta, you got stuff to do today. All right, turn back around. So it's not going to be able to zip. That's okay. Just don't let anything fall out. And then last but not least... What if your car starts on fire, right? If your car starts on fire, okay, if you get, you know, who knows? Tomorrow, some country could bomb us, and you have to have this ready, but it's not just for you, right? You're not doing this for you. You're doing it for the other person. You want to save the other person. That's what you tell yourself because it's ridiculous to care a fire extinguisher otherwise. You're doing it for other people, but really you. Now, this is where things get a little, little hairy, <laughs> okay? Oh, boy. What are we going to do for real? I didn't... You know what I'll do here? Let me just, uh, hmm, let's readjust, Sydney. That's my fault. I didn't think about this. Okay. And to make sure, here's the thing. Uh, Turn around for him, would you? Don't let anything fall. Sydney, what if there's a fire? What if there's a fire? Literally, you just, goodness. All right, so you can take this back to your seat. You can't take it off, though. Just make sure you're comfortable, all right? Maybe sit sideways or something. And uh, just walk around. So get a good feel of that. Tell me if you need a little bit more. I'm nervous to drop this <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not. For real, is it pretty heavy? Yeah. Okay, now don't drop that for real because we'll probably blow up or something. So, all right, let go of one shoulder. All right. Oh, let go of the other shoulder. This is actually really heavy. That's impressive. Give her a hand, everyone. I'm actually genuinely impressed. I'm going, substitute whatever you want for your brisk tea. Some of you even choose not to follow God because why? I'm not going to go to church today. I'm too anxious. Now, why do you think, and then you say, and God's okay with that because he wants my anxiety to be under control. No, he wants you to not live in anxiety. Every day, we go backpacking. Every day you load up these anxieties, these worries, these concerns. Am I doing it right? And so you try to cover every base, right? You try to, like, I actually do this. <clears throat> like my gym bag. I've, this is super embarrassing. I'll have four shirts, 
okay? This is to go to the gym. I don't know why I'm telling you this. A towel, you know, then I got, what, <laughs> I got my soap and my shampoo, right, and my, my conditioner. <laughs> and then what if, you know, I need to shave because I have a business meeting that just comes up. I got to bring my shaving kit. This isn't a joke, right? Then I bring my shoes. Well, well then what, you know, what if, what, I better bring some pants in case someone calls and needs to talk, like, and then I'm going to be in sweaty clothes, right? And then I go, and you know what happens? I got everything. I'm fully prepared, and I forgot my towel. That happens every time. And she said something really powerful there, right? In the midst of stacking your backpacks up, I don't want to drop anything. So not only do you have the weight. You know, I had, I, I've had people, and if this was you, I promise you, I've had multiple people, including me, we have this idea sometimes that we have to worry, and this is if we don't worry, then something bad will happen because God wants us to live in worry, right? And if we're, we're going to be surprised if we're not prepared. You get what I'm saying? We live our lives backpacking with weights and anxieties and fears and doubts. And it starts in a good place. I want to make sure that I have my sodium, right? I want to make sure, and sometimes that stuff's even good. But here's the illusion that needs to be shattered. My example, my gym bags are great, and that's a true example that happens all the time. I have every single thing I need except what I need, the towel. <laughs> so now I've got nice clothes to change into, but no towel to dry off after. And now I'm stressed because I don't have a towel. Well, I've got to make sure my, my, my wife isn't spending all our money. I've got, to, I've got to be on her all the time. I've got to make sure she's not spending her money because if she does, we'll be homeless. What do you think happens after you carry a bag that heavy all day long? You think you're happy? You think you're joyful? No, you get crabby, don't you? You get angry. Or some of you wives, well, I've got to be on my husband because he's just not mature, and I've got to get this. That's what Jesus wants of me. No, it isn't. Because you just set yourself up as his Holy Spirit. Right? He's just a boy. Without you, he'd fall apart. Weird thing. Did you know he actually lived before you were married? Craziest thing, he could actually feed and dress himself most of the time, right, guy? Just kidding. Did you know that? Did you know that when he's not with you and he goes to work that somehow miraculously he doesn't blow up or die on the way home every time? It's the craziest thing. How does he do that without you? Because he needs you to go before him. He needs you so that you'll never leave him or forsake him. Who's God? And guys do it too, but that's an easy one, right? It's easy to pick on the tyrannical guy. What? Well, I have to be worried. How's that working out for you? And then what, what worrying does, what jam-packing, backpacking does is there's only so much space in that bag. Inevitably, you're going to have to then what? In order to put more stuff in, you got to do what? Take stuff out. Well, I don't have room today to sit down and talk to that hurting person. I don't have room today to hug my wife, even though she's stressful. I don't have room today to have patience with my husband. I don't have room today. I don't have room today to go to church because I got family obligations. This is a quick aside. Who, why is it that, who put it in your head that you have to choose between church and family? Who made you believe that? It's creepy, isn't it? Because it, it, that, that's not the choice. 
And even now, some of you are like, yeah, I do that, but I mean, it's important that I'm there for Sunday dinner. And God's saying, yeah, it's important you're there for my Sunday dinner with you. Why don't I feel like going today? What if he decided he didn't feel like not forsaking you anymore? My point isn't to scare us. My point, my point is to wake us up because a huge part of what hinders our ability to live free and not backpack is all those anxieties. And I didn't even add in Sydney's backpack another thing that we all pack up, your mistakes and your sin. You can't let them go. You can't drop them off even at the cross because then people will think you're not really sorry. So you got to hold on to them and you got to be miserable because, you know, you got to pay your penance. How much is enough? The cross wasn't enough? Man, I don't know about you, but I do that. One of my biggest hindrances in my bag is stuff happened 10 years ago. And I just, I can't, I can't, I can't let it go. But the real truth is, is because I'm afraid to believe that it's as far as the east is from the west. I'm afraid. So if I hold on to it, then it won't surprise me when it comes back. You get what I'm saying? Do you ever do that? Some of you are holding on to things from 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And you just pack it up in your bag every morning. And you don't even take it off to go to sleep at night. You just keep it on because it's not worth the effort of picking it back up in the morning. So you just sleep uncomfortably, right? Under the shame and the weight. Man. And Jesus is over here saying, I'll never let you go. Look at the birds. So I want to tell you today, we'll close up with this. I want to give you a list. I know you like them. Me too. Helps me refocus. How do you start living today? Hey, but here's the thing. If you walk out of here today not changing anything, you wasted your time. Because the feeling you feel of encouragement, hopefully, is going to fade. It might be one hour, two hours, it might be Tuesday, but eventually that weight will come back on. So how do you avoid it? You have to do something different. And that's what this is about. So I'm going to give you five things, but if you can just even do one I promise you that your backpack will be a little lighter. All right? So number one, and we see this from Scripture, how to start living free. Let go. Drop the bag. Let go of the control. Accept this simple fact that you know deep down, but you don't want to admit. It controls an illusion. I can get in my car today, I can buckle up, I can go 54 and a half miles per hour, I can turn a turn signal and put my left hand out too, I can yield to everything, I can know the manual front and back, and still at the end of the day some drunk driver could crash into me and end it all. And not, my actions didn't control anything. That isn't to scare you, that is to free you from the fear that if you don't do everything perfect, it's over. Right? Am I wrong? That's a scare, but it's true. Now, does, it, does that mean following the law and all that stuff's not good? Of course not. But at the end of the day, we don't have any control. So we have two options, three. We can pretend and be lunatics that pretend that we're running things when we know we don't because it makes us feel better and it's stressful, right? Two, we can just assume this is a chaotic world that's out of control and God just flips a coin and, hey, if it lands on tails today, I guess that's a bad day. Or we can believe that we have a good, all-powerful, eternal, loving God that goes before us. Well, Todd, why do bad things happen? What would have happened if he wasn't there? You have to let go of this illusion of control. You're not in control. You have none. 
You even try to control your faith. I had some people in our congregation, our members recently, we had this really cool, some of y'all think we're crazy, but this is kind of like, hey, we just let it all out of like, you know, sometimes I don't listen, and sometimes I listen to what I want to listen to. Have you ever, you know why that's so crazy to me? Like, if you really think about it, you are creating, you know, Thomas Jefferson made his own Bible. He cut things out and pasted stuff around to create his own Bible. Look it up. He made, he took the framework of it and created his own faith. That's what you're doing when you only pay attention to what you want to pay attention to. When you only do what you want to do. When it's finance week, I listen because everything else I got down. Then why are you nervous? Why are you anxious? Let go of control. I've been told, well, Todd, isn't that, isn't that negative? Just to assume that. No, it means that I'm, it's actually very freeing. I don't have any control. You can be the perfect, boy, I hesitate to even say this, but it's good. You could be the perfect spouse do everything right by the Bible, and your spouse leave you. Why do I tell you that? Because when you free yourself from I please my spouse to get love, you'll be free to love like Jesus loves, agape. I love regardless of whether I get love back because I don't love to get. I love because I want to love. Does that make sense? That's a deep thought. Most couples, particularly in the world, it's a business contract. As long as we continue to love each other the way that we want, then we're happy. And some of us live in the fear of like, well, if I don't do it perfect, they're going to leave me, right? And, and it seems like that's unselfish. Well, I'm just, no, but deep down, you're just trying to make sure that you always put enough in the bank that even if they withdraw, you still have some in, they're not leaving. Instead of being free to say, I can love unconditionally because I just want to love them. Does it make sense? That's a deep thought. I need something. Yes, no? Yeah. Number two, you got to hold on to his promises. You got to hold on to him. You got to believe that. Not just when you leave here today. Yes or no? Did he tell you not to worry? Okay. If all you can hold on to is the fact that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, the eternal, all-powerful God has said he will never leave you or forsake you, and you can hold on to that simple, simple fact, I promise you this week, if you just hold on to that, you will feel less anxious as a believer, if you're a believer, if you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you're not, you can believe all you want, but believe, right? We'll get to that. How do I, you want to know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call some people out. Some of y'all say you hold on to his promises, but you don't. How do I know? Because you don't do what he says to do. So you don't hold on to his promises. You still are holding on to some semblance of control. I go to church when I want to go to church. I, whether it's here or somewhere else, I don't care. Whether, you know, I, I serve I, when I want to or I don't want to, blah, 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 and you come up with this justification, it's all, it's all tied to this idea of, eh, eh. You can't reject his authority in certain parts of your life and think you're going to feel at peace in, in others. You can't. He's either God or he isn't. He's either Lord and sovereign of your entire life or you're going to feel scared because you're, you're kind of picking and choosing when he's in control. By the way, an illusion. You don't get to pick. Right? Hold on to his promises. There are, there's comfort in that simple statement. Hey, he's not going to leave you forsake you. What if everybody else does? He didn't stutter. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. That's hard when the world turns against you. And the time is coming, friends, within a lifetime of, of especially the kids, but probably a lot of us, where the hostility towards a Christian is going to continue to grow. I'm telling you right now, 
You don't believe me? You think I'm being that scary guy? I, I promise. It's, it's already happening. What are you going to do then? Will you still believe he's not going to leave you or forsake you when your friends and family do? Number three. Hold on to his promise. Number two. Hold on to his promise. Number three. Here it is. Drop the weight. Let go of the sin. Now, this is in a couple of ways. One, if you're living in sin, you're choosing to hold on to that, that's a big boulder that's going to make you miserable. It has nothing to do with your eternity. Jesus already said you can't out-sin his grace. If you put your faith in him, you're in his palm. He ain't letting you go, right? You're just making life miserable by doing the things that are unhealthy for you. It's like drinking poison and expecting to be healthy. It's not going to happen. you got to let go of it. And when we think of sin, our minds immediately go to sexual sin. I'm telling you, I guarantee you, that's what Christians do because that's the only one that matters. It could also be this, your arrogance, your pride, your envy, your hate. All of those things are things that if they're rooted into your heart, into bitterness, becomes a weight. Becomes a weight that causes anxiety, that drags you down and traps you in the cubicle. How many people do you know in your life who say this phrase? Some of you probably do, and I'm not picking on you. I hate people. And it becomes a joke, and we kind of laugh, right? I mean, I hate people. That's a sad statement if you really think about it. Because this is going to shock you guys, but you're people. How does someone get there? Holding on to that stuff. But yeah, sexual sin matters too. The things you do on the computer when no one's around matter. It doesn't matter if you don't see it. It's funny how science is backing up what God's been saying for thousands of years. Hey, pornography rewires your brain. That's a fact. There's a whole movement now of non-Christians, and this isn't to shame you, because listen, I already know. Statistics tell me 80-some percent of the people in this room, male and female, you struggle with it. I'm only telling you so that we understand the situation. It affects us. It affects our self-esteem, our shame. It rewires our brain uh, it, it affects our ability to function. Non-Christian scientists are now saying, we got to get away from this stuff. It's going to mess us up. Now you imagine some of the kids who are looking at this stuff already for a lot longer than you had access to. And look what it's done to you. What happens after five years of rewiring? What happens after 25? It's poison. And now, that's the one side, but ready? Dropping the weight of the sin also means dropping the weight of the shame. And that when you repent and you lay it at the throne, right? The Bible's very clear. First John tells us. We, we confess our sins, right? He forgives us. It's over. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness is what it says. It's over. Now, is it over to the world? Sometimes it's not. And that stinks, right? And that's the consequence like, I can, if I start a fire here, I mean, we could die if I don't put it out. And if I put it out, though, there's still going to be a mark, right? And people are going to smell stuff, and that's okay. But it doesn't change the fact that in God's eyes, you're clean. It's over. It's finished. Amen. And it also means that even when you mess up life, and sometimes, guys, I've been there. You mess up life so much that you don't know how it's going to get back on, right? How am I going to? He will never leave you or forsake you. He won't. He has promises where he said, I know the plans I have for you, right? Plans to prosper you. God works out all things for the good of those who believe according to what? His purposes. It's not over. Even if you're right now in the midst of it, it's not over. Now, you're going to think I'm just some pastor telling you that because that's what they say. I promise you I've lived it. It's not over. I don't know how and I don't know when, but he's going to fix it. That's what he does if you continue to follow him. 
But if you do what the world tells you to do, well, it's already burned. I might as well burn the whole thing down. It's just going to compound it. Let it go. There is no condemnation in Christ, Romans 8.1. That's a simple statement that finishes it, right? Jesus said it's finished. It's over. Number four, I got to move. Choose to trust. What do I mean by that? You ready? You ready? Just do it. Get it. It's Nike. Hey, do what he says to do. You want to be free of anxiety? This is all kind of tied together with backpacking. It's like, I'm going to connect. I can't believe I've become this guy. The only person here who understands that this is real, and I'm not as typical pastor as probably you, Andy, because you know I was anti-church. So things have changed. I say go to church because I now get it. I was the guy. Going to church, right? I get it. You think I want to come every day? Nah, I don't, right? I don't want to come every Sunday. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to look at grumpy people today. You're not those people. But there could be some in the crowd. And here's the thing, though. He has told me that we have to walk, carry each other's burdens. Do not neglect to meet as the habit of some. Why? You need to encourage, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. You think that's just so, like, that's what some of you are like, well, I don't feel like rejoicing today, and I don't need anybody to rejoice with me, right? Well, maybe someone else needs you. Maybe they need you to help get the backpack off. Maybe they need you, right? Me and Sydney, I had to help her get that off and sit it down. Maybe the reason you're trapped in that weight is because you're not obeying in things that you don't think are connected. Serving, you know, God says we're to serve each other. Do you know what happens? I've said, this has been so indicative in my life. The more you focus on others, the smaller your problems become. The more you serve, the less you're worried about yourself. Just do it. Just do the stuff. I'm not even telling you. I didn't even put the don'ts, right? The Bible's filled with the do's and the don'ts. Most of the time we talk about the don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. Throw that away for a second. How about this week, you just do the do's. Remember that? Mountain Dew. Anyway, do the do's. Read, pray. Well, that's stupid. It doesn't do anything to me. How's life going for you not doing it? You're a crazy person. Christians out there, praying ain't going to help me. And you're over there going, life is misery. It's like, but you'll go out and buy that new supplement. I I took some brain juice. I I actually did take that. Anyway, you take the stuff that's going to help you feel a little better. But you won't try what the God of the universe is telling you, and you say you believe. Just do it. Hey, right now, you. Yes, you, the person who thinks I'm talking to you. Do the thing that you haven't been doing. When you walk out today, do that thing the rest of the week. Some of you all be like, I ain't going to do. Nobody tells me what to do. I can look on your faces, right? That's members of this church. All right, you know what the saying is around here? Someday I think our church will grow past this. I do what I want. They literally tell me that. <sighs> anyway. Some of y'all looking down. Why? Why are you looking down? Because that's you. All right. Just do it. Because when you do that, for instance, let go, things are easier. Number five. This is a deep one, but I'm going to try to make it simple. Live like the what if is true. I'm going to tell you something that most pastors aren't going to tell you. Faith is not always 1,000% in your head and your heart believing this intellectually. It's not. You're going to have days where this, you're going to go, oh man, is this real? Faith is acting as though you always believe it's 100% true in your heart and your head. That's deep. That doesn't, Todd, are you saying being fake? No. It's not being fake. If I jump out of a plane, right, if I'm at the edge of a plane and I have a parachute, do I 1,000% believe that parachute is going to open? No, you don't. I don't care who you are in this room. There's a little, that's why it's scary, Right? When you jump out, though, what are you telling yourself? I am choosing to believe that this parachute is going to open. 
That's faith. Because in the act itself, it shows your faith. That's what God has done throughout. God just wants you to trust him, believe in him, so he can show you who he is. If Peter, you know, it sounds crazy to say, there's a man that looks like a ghost. Jesus is walking in water. This happens. And he says, Peter, Jack, come out to me. I already know most of us, including me, be like, I'll see you on the shore, right? But if he hadn't got out of that boat, he would have missed the miracle of walking on water. Moses, that's a great, I don't want to do this, right? The entire way to Pharaoh, I guarantee you, is like, this is stupid, I'm going to die. But yet he walked in, and he throws his stuff down, he says, let my people go, what happens? He turns a stick into a snake, right? He makes things, God shows himself. God honors our faith, just like children. That beautiful picture we all know of, put a baby on the table, right? Jump to daddy, jump to mommy, and they jump. That's what he wants of us. So he can always remind us that he'll catch us. Live like the what if. What's the what if? It's all real. What if I do this and God comes through? Why don't you stop doing the negative what ifs? Well, what if I do this and my car crashes tomorrow? What if I do this and we are homeless? If I don't, bro, some of you all, oh my goodness, this is an aside. If I don't have $4,000 on my savings account, I'm going to go broke tomorrow. Dude, I remember giving money one time, and I'm just saying this, I didn't mind doing it, to some people, and I've done this multiple times, and I'm like, man, they're struggling, and then later they're like, yeah, it's, I have a good buddy, he's like, you know, thank you, man, our savings just got below $5,000, so we were really worried, and I'm over here looking at my savings going, <laughs> right, that's a real thing to happen, is that irrational for that person, I'm going to tell you if you're in the room, you're like, well, Dave Ramsey said, it's irrational, savings is there, for those things. What is it there for? Some of you all will be homeless. Be like, I can't touch my savings. Right? That's crazy talk. Anyway, quit living in the negative what ifs and choose to live in what if God means what he says. And I'm going to end with this. Stop letting fear win. Every single time you choose to put that backpack on, it's, you're just living in fear. The Bible says this beautiful statement, perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. Ready? So when we live in fear, it means we're not really trusting in his love. It blew my mind. If I know that when my daughter, my little baby girl is clawing my eyeball and it hurts, right? This really happened. I have a scar and I didn't punt her across the room and I'm not a good person. Why do I assume that when I mess up, God's going to punt me across the room? Right? He says that. Why do I assume that God doesn't want good for me when I've already decided there's nothing that she can do that'll make me want to stop giving her good? It'll blow your mind, right? She's going to come play some music. I'm going to leave you, leave you with this. I told you guys, you knew folks, I said, last week you got off early. If you missed last week, you, you, you missed it. You got to leave here after like 25, 30 minutes, and now we're back to normal. <clears throat> come back next week. Maybe it'll be short again. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. How long have you been backpacking? Can you be honest with yourself? How long have you been carrying that weight? How long are you carrying it? How long are you going to carry it? How long are you going to have to carry everything for every, every possible scenario, right? And then you find out you forgot your towel. How long are you going to carry the shame of your, of your sin, of your mistake? I know. Trust me, I know it's so hard to forgive yourself, isn't it? Sometimes everybody around you forgives you and the... the, the person in the mirror is the one who's telling you you're condemned will you let it go will you trust 
when God says there is no condemnation in Christ? Will you trust that and believe it? Even if the whole world tells you it's not true? What happens if the world, what happens if the church condemns you? Do they trump God's word? Sometimes the most hurt we get are from God's people, right? Newsflash, some people that think they're with God are going to find out they're not. How long have you been backpacking? Are you doing it now? Some of you know. I know you. That's you. And you're living in a cubicle, and it's like living with purpose means doing more than breathing. It means waking up and, like, feeling an excitement. And, and what would it take to just, like, you're going to have responsibilities, but it's possible to live joyfully and alive and, and with, I don't know, like, there's more than just waiting to die. Some of you literally are waiting to die. You don't think that's what you're doing, but every day looks the same. And you think it's because of responsibilities. No, it's because of fear. It's because of shame. It's because of doubt. It's because of anxiety. And you won't let it go because to let it go means to let go a part of yourself. You have had that on so long that it's probably going to hurt and feel uncomfortable to let it go. You're safe in the cubicle, right? You're safe when you're prepared. Then why do you still feel sad? Why are you still worried? Why does life still have no real meaning? No matter how many bodies you stack up, no matter how much money you have, no matter how great things are, there's more. There's always more fullness of joy. Do you want that? Can you even nod your head? Do you even, I'm not just saying real, right? Some of us don't even want to nod your head because like, if I say that, then I might have to do something. I want fullness of joy. Do you? Is it, are you doing it now? Is your backpacking interfering with your ability to live with purpose and confidence? And that, that word that's so fleeting, that seems like it's running from you, joy, fullness of joy. If you've met people that are fullness of joy, I've met a few. Gosh, you just want to be around them all the time, don't you? Just because like some of it kind of spills on you. You can't help it. It's like a full cup. You're like, yeah, just keep spilling that on me. I want to get to the point that I'm spilling you got to let it go, and you got to trust him. Drop the backpack. Choose to believe God's word. He has told you, hey, I'm taking care of the birds. Hey, did you know that, that you ready for this? Blue jays aren't extinct yet. And you messed up, and there's still blue jays out there. You weren't prepared, and there's still groundhogs. My point is, the world isn't dependent on you can breathe let it go quick go on and on if you're in the room and you don't know jesus keep telling yourself hey tomorrow right tomorrow's not promised i'm gonna tell you the gospel in a nutshell i'm not even gonna talk into it it's fact god creator of the universe created everything and he made it perfect and he sat us in it and said enjoy live with purpose what's your purpose just live in relationship with me I'll tell you what right and wrong is. You don't even have to worry about figuring out the right thing to do. I'll tell you. Just trust me. And we rejected that. That's what it was with the tree. We rejected God's authority in our life. And because of that, we are eternally separated. Sin entered the world. It entered us like a disease. And it doesn't matter. It shows itself in the symptoms, right? The bad things we do. But even if you stop doing one bad thing, there's always something else, isn't there? That's because it's deeper than a symptom. It's, you can't take a cough drop, but you still got a temperature. It's inside of you. 
And because we are no longer holy, God is ultimately holy and good. And a pure, good, and holy God cannot be in relationship with something that's not. You can't take a snowball and a mud ball and touch them and the, and the snowball's still white. You can't. God's not going to become sinful just to be with us. He can't do it. It's evil. He won't. We are separated. And because of that, he gave us what we want. And death is entered. And we're all going to die. The question is, is it going to be final or not? So thousands of years of human existence have been us scrambling to try to figure out life without the only person who can tell us what life is. So we create our own gods, right? We create our own things and our own rules, and and we try to be good people by our definition, but it's always tainted. And no matter what we do, we can't run away. I mean, we can't get away from that simple thing inside of us that says something's wrong. We're eternally separated. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and it says this too, that the wages of sin are death. You're going to go to hell. I don't believe in hell. That's fine. Hell believes in you. It's real. You will be separated for eternity, and you will have to deal with the shame. You will have to confess the things then that you've hidden. You are hopeless And you are dead, you just don't know it yet. But the second half of that verse, the wages of sin and death, is where the story turns. But what? Anyone know? The gift of God is what? Eternal life. God is offering you a way out of that. He's offering you a way that death doesn't become final. Jesus Christ, God himself, when we couldn't make our way to him, he came to us. The Bible says in the midst of our sin, he came down. He invaded this earth. Jesus Christ, God made man. It's a fact he existed. You got to deal with who he is. Deal with it today or deal with it later, but you will call him Lord. He showed us what the kingdom is like, what it was like to be with God told us what it was like to live with the snowball right but here's the thing we still can't really be with him he had to do something else he had to pay the wages he had to pay the penalty someone had to clean the bill because what the wages sin or death a just god has to punish right and before you say that's not true then i'll come into your house and kill your family and friends right kill your dog and your cat and I'll just say hey I was really good for 364 days this year so just and the judge goes okay you can go home you know that's not right so justice will be done so Christ did something incredible he died on the cross he took our wages on his body the Bible says he said my God my God why have you forsaken me because the father turned his back on the son he experienced ultimate isolation he was alone in every way spat upon, cursed, hit, killed. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. Over 500 people attest to the fact that this man rose from the dead. He is alive. And that means he conquered death. And here's the beauty. At the cross, this incredible opportunity is being given to you today. Today. I can't say tomorrow because I don't know what's going to happen. But right now, you have this. If you come to him, And you take back what we did long ago and you say, you are God, I'm not. Forgive me. I'm sorry for what I've done. I turn away from the way that I'm living. I turn away from being God. Then he will take your sin on that cross. Time doesn't exist for him. He did it for you back then now. 
And he will give you the benefits of his perfect, spotless, holy life. And nobody will ever, ever be able to separate you from the love of God. He just said it. Today. Well, Todd, I've done a lot of bad things. Me too. But it's real. If you can't, without a shadow of a doubt, say that if you died today, you would be with God in heaven, in paradise. You're rolling the dice. Don't leave without being secure and knowing that you can start really living instead of waiting to die. Whatever you do, don't leave here. There will be people up here willing to pray for you in any way if you need prayer. I know it's been a long day. Stay with me. God has divinely set this up for you. Respond. This is altar time. It's a time for you to respond to God in whatever way you want. You can pray here. There's people to pray with you. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.